Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. For more information, please call 234-803-481-0869 or for free audio downloads, kindly visit www.davidogaga.org. All right, praise the Lord. Already? Okay. We're going to examine or give an answer to a question that was raised again in relation to the question of the rapture or the issue of the rapture that we're dealing with. And um, it has to do with the issue of the air. We've been dealing with the issue of the cloud. We've been able to explain what the cloud is. Now there is a confusion as to what the air stands for. So the question came. So I want to address that um, in this section, as it were. You know, First Thessalonians 4, verse 17. So if you want to look at this, we can say this is rapture part 8 in terms of the series that we're dealing with. But essentially we are looking at explaining the phrase to meet the Lord in the air, in the air. You know, First Thessalonians uh, four seventeen says, Then which we are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. We're already on the cloud speaks of the cloud of witnesses. Is that okay? Right. To meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. So the, that, that phrase, meet the Lord in the air, is what I want to Examine with us. Praise the Lord. Now, firstly, the word meet in the Hebrew and Greek is gira, G-I-R-A-H, and apatensis. The Hebrew word is gira, the Greek word is apatensis, to meet. And uh, it means an encountering accidental friendly or hostile it means to meet a way or to encounter I want you to take note of this simple definition gira and appertenses again I use the word said the word meet in Hebrew is gira and in Greek is appertenses and it means to meet accidentally to encounter it can be the wholesale manner or a friendly manner. Amen? Now, in the New Testament, it is found in passages like Matthew 14, verse 13, Matthew 25, 1 and 6, which have to do with the issue of the ten virgins. And then we find it again in Acts chapter 28, verse 15. We're going to examine uh, one or two of those particular passages in relation to the use of this word, apathensis. Praise the Lord. Now, in scriptural usage, people went out to meet someone and have the person escorted to the place where he was going to. And I want you to get it because it's very important. In scriptural usage, when you say meet, you don't meet someone and follow the person back to where he was coming from. It's never used like that in the Bible. 
when you meet someone in the Bible, you are actually going to receive the person. That's the way it is used. And I'm going to make you see scriptures on that. Praise the living God. Okay. So if for instance, I was coming from home. Or let's even look at it in those times uh, when you have a royalty coming like the president of a country coming to the States. You know what happened? We see people, when we're young, we go to the, to the roadside with Nigeria flag. I remember when Gowan came to worry in those days so with motorcycle escorts. You understand that? Very good. So we go to the road to line up to do what? To receive him. But actually what we're doing, we're going to meet him. So the, the understanding of meet in scripture means to welcome. We're going to the road to welcome a royal man, I mean somebody of royal dignitary or whatever the case may be. That's the way it is used in the Bible. You don't meet someone and go back to the, where the person was coming from. Praise the Lord. Let's take an example from Acts chapter 28. And we'll look at verse 14. Acts 28 verse 14. The Bible says, Now Paul is speaking, and he said, What we find, brethren, and we desire to tarry with them seven days. And so we went towards Rome. Not that. And from thence, when the brethren had the force, they came to do what? To meet us as far as Apaphorum. And the three taverns, whom when Paul saw, he thanked God and took courage. They went, or they came to do what? To meet us. And when we came to Rome, verse 16, the centurion delivered the prisoners of the captain of the guard, but Paul was suffered to dwell by himself with a soldier that kept him. When we did what? We came to Rome. So you get the picture. They came to meet us as far as upper forum. And when we got to Rome, did you get that? Meaning, these people met Paul on the road and they escorted him to where? To Rome. Because they were going to Rome. Paul was going to Rome. So, the way we teach the rapture, you meet the Lord in the air, so shall we ever be. It's like you go up to meet the Lord and then you move on back to heaven or something like that. I don't know if you are getting what I'm saying. Which is contrary to what the scripture is saying. You don't meet and go away. You meet and come back. Praise the Lord. Okay. So if you follow what happened here, that they met Paul and then they went to Rome, it means if Jesus is coming, which is what we all believe in, it means when we go to meet him, we are simply doing what? Receiving him or welcoming him down to us. Not to go back to heaven. No, that the Bible never teaches that. Bible never teaches that. Praise the Lord. So here we find that Paul rather went to Rome because he was going to Rome. Now we find the same principle in um, Matthew 25. So you can go to Matthew 25. Look at verse 1 and look at verse 6. Matthew 25 verse 1 and verse 6. Here the Bible says, Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto... Oh my God. You see, then, when you say then, it's like it's connecting to something that has happened before. Did you get that? So what happened? Matthew 24. Remember the story? 
as you run the days of Noah, so shall she be in the days of the Son of Man. And all of those descriptions given. Then he's not saying when all those things will happen, then the kingdom of God of heaven shall be likened unto virgins. Ten virgins quick took their lambs and went forth to meet the bridegroom. Let's look very fast. Look at verse 2. And five of them were wise and five were foolish. And then the Bible says, They that were foolish took their lambs and took no oil with them. But the wise went took oil in their lambs with their, with their lambs. And then he went further to say, verse 5, While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. This must be a night evening time. Must be evening time. That's why he slept. Is that okay? I will explain why it happened. At midnight, verse 6, there was a cry made. Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to do what? To meet him. Okay. Let me pick a few things for you. Just read verse 11 for me. Verse 11. And then, um, afterward came also the other virgins saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. Now, you go back and take time to read the whole picture, the whole story there. What he's saying here is, the five wise one took oil in their lands and they went to meet. Now, this is the background to the picture that Jesus was painting. It's taken from the Hebrew culture. And this is what happens. I've explained that sometimes. When somebody is getting married, you'll find that the friend to the bridegroom, they'll prepare a place, I believe in conjunction with the father-in-law, where the bridegroom will come and be received when he's coming to take the wife. Now, when it's about to happen, it's normally done in the evening times. What happens is, it's like what you have today, you call them, uh, is it bridal girls and bridesmaids? Am I right? That's what you have in your wedding stuff. Very good. So what happens is, if the bridegroom is coming, then the ladies will go and line up the streets with lamp in their hand. Those little lamps, I'm sorry, I will have given you a picture of that. But those things that look like vessel, the old type of torchlight, as it were. Now they'll go and line up the street to receive the bridegroom that is coming for the bride. Is that okay? Very good. Now, when they go down to the place, as they go to the street and the bridegroom comes, remember the story. John made a statement. He said, I am not a bridegroom, but I'm a friend to the bride. I don't know if you understand that. And so the voice of him crying in the wilderness said, I'm a friend to the bride. And he said, the friend to the bride rejoiced when the bridegroom cometh. Now what is that supposed to mean? Speaking the back, uh, John the Baptist was speaking. It's referring to Jesus coming to take the bridegroom, which is the church, the wife. You understand? Now he is the bridegroom and he is the one crying in order what proclaiming. No, so the, this, the picture here now is, you see this bridegroom, and um, as he's coming, which is Jesus now, he was still speaking about himself, the church goes out there to receive him. The bridegroom, they line up the street to receive him. And now, when he comes down to the place, he doesn't go back. They don't go to the road to receive him and go back. They go to the road to receive him and come to the place where they have been prepared for the bride and the bridegroom. As a matter of fact, the bridegroom must consummate the marriage that night. Now, this is the way it was. 
in the Jewish culture, you find out the father-in-law will bring a white bed spread to put on the bed where the bride and the groom will consummate the marriage that night to prove the virginity of the girl. Now, if tomorrow there is no stain on the white bed spread, the bridegroom takes it and spread it out and call on the elders of the city and said, this might have cheated me. The woman she gave to me is not a virgin. That's the proof. And it has to happen that same night. Are you listening to me? So you don't see the bridegroom comes and that the bride joins the bridegroom and then go back to where the was coming from. No, that is not the background to this picture. Now, go back again to verse 7. Verse 6 says, At midnight a cry came. That means that was when they were supposed to go out to meet him. Verse 7 said, Then shall all those virgins arose and trimmed their lands. Talking about those with oil. Oil speaks of illumination, to see light. Is that okay? Or understanding. Okay, verse 7. Then verse 8 now. Then the Bible says, And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. And then verse 9 says, But the wise answered, saying, No, not so, lest there be not enough for us, and ye be anew. But go ye rather to them that sell, and buy for yourself. You truly can buy the anointing. Let's be understood. Verse, verse number 10. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Did you get that? To the marriage, and the door was shut. Get it right. The door was shut. That means the other people have no access to come in anymore. Is that all right? Okay, look at the next thing. Verse 11 now says, And afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. If I may ask a question, if this is what we call the rapture, the question is this, if the five wise virgins have already gone up to heaven to have the marriage supper of the Lamb, that's what we are told. When it comes to take us, we go up to heaven to have the marriage supper with the Lamb. Is that okay? So now, the question is this, if they already gone up to heaven to have the marriage supper, how come the foolish ones were able to get up to heaven to start knocking on the door to say, open for us? How did they get into this rapture? Because the wise one is already raptured up there. Are, are you following what I'm talking about? So how did this foolish one come finally to knock on the door? I tell you this has nothing to do with the rapture. It's a story. It's an illustration of Jesus and the bridegroom. Eyes coming. I mean the bride and the bridegroom coming to unite to produce what I call the man child. You see, Jesus talks about those who said, Lord, Lord. We did this in your name. We did that in your name. And he will use the word. Go away from me, workers of iniquity. I knew you not. The word knew there doesn't mean he doesn't know you. The Lord knows you by name. What he's trying to say, I have no relationship with you. I have no communion with you as a husband and wife. No relationship. That's why you discover that Adam knew Eve and he brought forth the man and child. He brought forth the child. When a man knew or knows, that means an intercourse, a communion that produces a child. Praise the living God. Okay, so that's the background to this. Um, same thing, so I want to give us um, a simple illustration again. Uh, Genesis 18, let's look at verse 1 and 2. 
You can take any simpler translation if you will. But first of all, read King James, Genesis 18, 1 and 2. And the Lord appeared unto him in the plain of Mamre. And he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day. Talking of Abraham now. And he lifted up his eyes and looked, and lo, three men stood by him. And when he saw them, he ran to do what? To meet them from the tent door and by himself before the ground. Can we look at verse 3 together? And he says, and he said, my Lord, if not I have found favor in that side, pass not away, I pray thee from thy servant. In other words, come into my house. Am I correct? He ran to do what? To meet them. What happened? When he met these people, he was not going to meet them to take them away. He made them to bring them what? In. Can we take a simpler translation if you can get one? That verse 2. No, the verse 2. We're dealing with verse 2. He looked up and saw three men standing. He ran from his tent to greet them. Right? And bow before them. Any other one? Because that word meet means to greet, means to welcome. The living Bible actually uses the word he sprang up and ran to meet them and welcome them. That's the way it is written. He looked up and noticed this one is New Living Translation. Three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he ran to meet them and welcome them by low to the ground. That's the key point. To meet and to do what? To welcome. So if the Bible is talking about Jesus coming and we're going to meet him, where is that supposed to meet? We are going to meet him to do what? To welcome him. So we meet to receive. We don't meet to go away. Praise the Lord. Are you with that together? Okay. Let's look at Genesis 29 verse 13 again. We can find a similar picture. Um, this is Laban and the wife. If you can find a simpler translation also, it's also fine. But King James was. Let's just do with King James. And he said, And it came to pass... When Laban heard the tidings of Jacob, his sister's son, that he ran to meet him. That is Jacob coming to Laban. Remember that? Very good. And embraced him and kissed him and brought him to his house. And he told him all these things. He met him and did what? Brought him to his house. We can just leave that. That is fine. So, here we can find that. To me, the idea of meeting someone in the scripture is to do what? Is to welcome that individual to the very place he intended to go to. Now, our lost case cannot be different. Praise the living God. Is that okay? Our lost case cannot be different. What I mean is, they met Paul, they brought him to Rome. Is that okay? Abraham met with the three men and brought them to his head. Laban met with Jacob and brought him to his house. And there is no way the church will meet Jesus and go away with him. So we meet Jesus and do what? And bring him down to where we are. Praise the living God. Is that making sense? Amen. So we cannot expect, for instance, now this is what we are taught. That the church is coming for the saints and then later he comes with the saints. So, we meet him halfway in the air, in the empty space, and go away with him, and then later we come. So, it's coming in two stages, coming for the saints, and coming with the saints. But there's 
absolutely very foreign to the scriptures. There is nowhere you find coming for the saints and coming with the saints. No, it's never in the scripture. No coming in two stages. There is no basis for that in the scripture. There is only one coming for the saints. I mean, in terms of coming for the saints, like it's coming to pick them and then come with them. What you actually have is coming with the saints. Praise the living God. And then coming to be glorified in the saints. But the word for is not in the Bible. Coming for the saints is never found anywhere. But Jesus come with the saints and come in the saints. Praise the living God. So, this is what we definitely mean by meeting the Lord where? In the air. And like we find in the issue of Matthew 25, we can see that when we meet the Lord, we come united together with Him. Amen? And that is the church becoming united together with who? With Christ. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 5, 22 to 32. That similarly looks like a long reading. But we know the story. Ephesians chapter 5, 22 to 32 talks about Christ being the head of the church. How many of you understand that? Praise the living God. And church, that the, 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 the Christ so loved the church that will have to, you know, worship by the watching of the world that may take it to him side, a church with passport or wrinkle. Is that okay? Praise the living God. That's exactly what we see there in Ephesians chapter 5, reading from 22 to 32, talking about the church. So, he's not coming to pick up the church and then to come back together with the church again. Remember, is actually cleansing the church by the wording of the word and to present the church to himself as a bride. And that is the same thing you find in John 14 when he said, I'll come again and take you to myself. The word to take to self actually means paralambano, which means to take to oneself like a bride. And that's the same picture you find during wedding when the man will have to hook the woman to his side by the time they finally extend the married vows. Do you understand that? Okay. It's a union of a husband and a wife. That's what it means to meet in the case of Mighty 25. Praise the Lord. Now let me give a simple illustration of this um, and very interesting one as well. Genesis 30, uh, 16 and 17. If you can get maybe in the New Living Bible, that would be fine for us. I want a simpler translation that will probably explain this. Genesis 30, 16 to 17. And this is what it says. So that evening, as Jacob was coming home from the fields, and I want you to follow that, Leah went out to do what? To meet him. Very interesting. Did you get that? I'm trying to give you the illustration of the wife and the husband. As it relates to the, uh, the, 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 five, the five virgins now that are made with the Lord. Is that okay? Now Leah went out to meet him. Now, as we are saying, are we expecting Leah to meet Jacob and the both of them go back to the farm? Come and talk to me. Is that what we're looking at? No. The meet Jacob is going to be meeting with Jacob as he's coming back from the farm. And what, what, what's the next thing that happened? They go to the house. Okay, fine. So now, here we say, Leah went out to meet him. And this is what Leah said. You must come and sleep with me tonight. Very simple thing. When the bridegroom comes to meet with the bride, they sleep. <laughs> That's why the door was shut. Come, is it making sense to you? Hey, are you here with me? Good. 
Okay now. And um, she said, I have paid for you with some mandrakes that my son found so that they might so that he so that night he slept with who? Leah. Let's look at the next thing that happened. And God answered Leah's prayer. She became pregnant again and gave birth to a fifth son for who? For Jacob. Very simple. Did you get that? So what happened? When the church, help me now. When the church meets with the bride. I mean the bridegroom now, which is Christ. And the door is shut. What comes out of that relationship? The man child. Did you get that? You got a fifth son, Grace. Praise the living God. This is a very perfect illustration from the Old Testament about what it means for the bride to meet with the bridegroom. Anytime the bride or the bridegroom means something happens. Praise the living God. Is it simple? I want you to catch that. So, this is the true picture that we got in relation to that mighty chapter 25. If you begin to read from verse 1 to, um, to 13. Okay. So, this is what we're dealing with here now. I'm dealing with the issue of uh, meeting the Lord in the air. And like we said, in Matthew 25, uh, what do we find in Matthew 25 and 6 there? The Bible said, at midnight, there was a cry made, right? Okay. I try to explain this also from the case of John the Baptist. Let's look at it in John the Baptist, John 3. Verse 26 to 29, we can look at King James. What really happens? John 3, 26 to 29. So John's disciples came to him. King James, give us King James. Praise the Lord. King James, please, let's look at the King James. And they came unto John, the disciples, and said unto him, Rabbi, he that was with thee beyond Jordan, to whom thou bearest witness, behold, the same baptized that an all men came to him. The next verse says, John answered and said, A man can receive nothing except it be given to him from above. And the next verse 28, the Bible says, Ye yourself bear witness, bear me witness that I said, I am not a Christ, but that I am sent before him. And the verse 29 says, he that had the bride is the bridegroom. What is that supposed to mean? He who owns the wife is the husband. The bridegroom is Christ. The bride is the church. John is saying, I am not the owner of the church, neither am I the husband to the church. I am a friend to the husband. Of the church. And that is who? Christ. Is that okay? Okay. And he says, He that hath the bride is the bridegroom, but a friend of the bridegroom, who standeth and heareth him rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This my joy therefore is fulfilled. Now you watch that. When he said the bridegroom, I mean there's a cry in the night. That means the bridegroom is close by. Is that okay? It's coming now. Go and receive him. So now John is saying it is my joy to know that the bridegroom finally has showed up as a friend to the bridegroom. Did you get that? Praise the Lord. Okay. So we can just stop there. So here is John now saying 
I rejoice to hear the voice of my friend, I mean, of the bridegroom, which is the husband of the bride coming, relating to who? To Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. Amen. So, like I'm saying, the, 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 the term that just speaks of the church, as it were, because it's talking about the kingdom of God, I'll go find in verse 1. And so, in uniting, let me show you why, I mean, the Bible calls them virgin. I think I tried to explain to you what makes you and I virgins before God in relation to the one for the four thousand. Can you still remember? The Bible said they were virgins. They were not defied by women. I mean, if you remember that. Okay, let's look at Second Corinthians 11, verse 1 and 2. Second Corinthians 11, 1 and 2. And this was said. Would to God, you could bear weep with me a little in my folly. And indeed, bear with me. Verse 2. For I'm jealous over you, with godly jealousy. For I've espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as what? A chaste virgin to Christ. Simple. So Paul is saying here, you Corinthian church, I don't want anything, I'm jealous over you because I don't want you to be corrupted by other teachings, by the doctrines of men, by false apostles, you know. Let's, let's, let, let's read on a little bit. Look at verse 3. But I fear less by any means as a serpent beguiled. What does that now deceive? If through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in you in Christ. That's just it. So when you have other doctrines that take you away from Christ, you have been defiled. You are no longer united with Christ. What makes you a virgin to Christ is that you stand there by what he teaches, by what he reveals, and by what he has given to his church. Did you get that? So when we talk about ten virgins, what is that supposed to mean? We're talking about people who are supposed to be united in their mind, in their thought towards who? Towards Christ. The foolish one have no lights, no understanding, no scriptural revelation. They are corrupted. Is that okay? Praise the living God. Alright. I'm sure you're following what I'm doing here. So now, what are we saying? To me, the Lord is to become one with Him. It's a realm of union and fellowship with the Christ Spirit when certain conditions are met. For it is, like we can find in 1 Corinthians 6 verse 17, He that is joined to the Lord is one Spirit. Amen? The Greek word for join here in 1 Corinthians 6, 17 is kolao, which means to glue. To glue that is so stick, that's so cleave. You join self to keep company. So when we find that Leah joined herself to Jacob, a fifth son was born, like we find in Genesis 30, 16, 17. You can remember that, is that not? Even so, Many as receive him, like we find in John chapter 1 verse 12. Bible says, as many as receive him, he gave power to become what? The sons of God. So when you join to the Lord in your spirit, the spirit of sonship is what? Is better. John 1 12. Praise the living God. Are you there? John chapter 1 verse number 12 is what I said. So that means, as we meet him and join our spirit with his spirit, we receive the seed of life, which is an eternal spirit, making us new creatures of his new covenant. 
It is only in meeting him that we have life. Praise the living God. Amen. Okay. Let's make progress. Now to the phrase basically to meet him in the air. It's an eastern expression like I said before. Denoting hasting to greet him. It's like an expression. Like you have an idiomatic expression. In eastern language. When you say to meet. It actually means hasting to greet him. The best illustration you find there is the case of Abraham. He ran to meet them. He hastened to meet them. That is the way it is used in Easter language. Others to receive. And this agrees with mighty 25 verse number 6. When the midnight cry came up, trim up your lamp, go and do what? Meet him. Say, go ye out to meet him. And that means to do what? To welcome him. Jerusalem Bible translation actually means go ye out to welcome him. That's what he said in Jerusalem translation. Jerusalem Bible, the translation there. Praise the living God. So, what then is this asmoter of air? When we talk Are you there? Sorry about that break. So let's deal with the issue of that particular phrase. The air. What does it mean, the air? What air are we talking about? Is it the atmosphere? Is that what we're dealing with? Talking of meeting the Lord in the air. Is it talking about the empty space up when you look up? Now the Greek word air... And the Greek is A-E-R Air It means to breathe unconsciously That is To respire Respiration By analogy to blow Air This word is found in scriptures like We are dealing with 1 Thessalonians and 4.17 Ephesians 2 verse 2 Revelation 9 verse 2 And now in consideration of this We are going to be able to see precisely But first of all Let's look at Acts chapter 22 verse 23. Now this was a case where Paul was being, um, I mean there was this uproar. Let's go back to verse 22 of Acts 22. Verse 22 and then we'll read to 23. And they gave him audience unto this word. Now Paul was speaking in certain uh, location. And then lifted up their voices and said away with we such a fellow, talking about Paul now, from the earth, for it is not fit that he should live. They are talking about Paul now. Now the next thing says, And as they cried out, and cast off their clothes, and threw dust, where? Into the air. This is talking about the atmosphere. Is that okay? Praise the living God. Now, this is completely different from Ephesians 1. I mean, Ephesians chapter 2. Let's look at verse 1 and 2. 
Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 and 2. And ye had a quicken who were dead in trespasses and sins, and there were in time past he walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now walketh in the children of disobedience. So here we find that this air is referring to satanic realm. It's not talking of the atmosphere. Is that okay? And this L is found in people. It's talking about the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now walketh in the children of disobedience. So this air is not actually outside of man. You need to get that. Is that okay? Good. Praise the living God. Dealing with the spirit that walketh in the children of disobedience. It dealing with that which is in the heart of man. So this air is not just talking of the atmosphere above the earth, but rather the habitation of demons to which Satan is in control. Praise the living God. It talks about the ruler who governs the air. That's why you find Jerusalem Bible translation. The ruler that governs the air. Now where is he governing from? Where is he strong? It's right in the heart of man. Praise the Lord. Amen? Alright. So, um, that is just that for you to pick it. You'll be able to take time to read other translations and other areas. You'll be able to see something. Praise the living God. Now, let's look at Second Timothy 2 verse 22. Uh, just read something. Second Timothy 2 verse 22. Flee also youthful lust, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them. Second Timothy, okay, two twenty-two, okay. With them that call on the name of what of the Lord out of what a pure heart. That's what I really want to say there. A pure heart. Praise the living God. Out of a pure heart, you need to get that. But we're looking at hearts that are corrupted, that are defiled, that are not unable. And again, you read the scripture it talks about those who are taken captive. Or the snare of the devil were taken captive by him and his own will. Praise the living God. Okay. So, those who are actually under the influence of the spirit of the power of the air, they are like slaves to satanic influences. Praise the living God. Amen. Praise the Lord. Okay. Um, when we say these are men that fulfill the laws of the flesh, like you can find in Ephesians chapter 2 and also verse 3. We're talking about the unregenerate man who is not at the control of the power of the air, not the atmosphere. The word air, therefore, doesn't mean the empty space above the earth. We're not dealing with that. Praise the living God. Amen. Are we together? Okay. Alright. So, um, let me give you another scripture here. But first of all, let me just quickly define this word again. A closer examination of this word air. is very important we get it right. From the Greek, and taken from the English, air is translated, you know, in this form. 
The word air does not mean air in the sense of the atmosphere, but it means to breathe unconscious, like I said before. And it is only by the analogy of that which is compared, a comparison between person breathing to breathing of the wind, that we get the idea of a sky. Now, for us to get a better understanding of this word air from the English level as translated, it means Uranus. O-U-R-A-N-O-S And from the original word Oros Meaning a mountain A mountain As lifting itself above the ground Or above the plain It speaks of the idea of elevation Which is like an extension of now let me put it this way you know a mountain a mountain is on the ground but yet it's above the ground is that okay right it's around the plane it has this root on the plane but it's higher so that is like an extension another way of or the true meaning of this word again is sky or heaven Uranus speaks of sky or heaven and not just that, it means happiness, it means power, it means eternity, and especially the word Oranos means the gospel. Praise the living God. And that for me is the most interesting aspect of it the gospel, the good news. It's the same thing as the word air. I'll make you see that as we progress now. This means that. In meeting the Lord, we do not just have to go up into the sky, but rather we are lifted up just like Oros, a mountain, lifts itself above the plain, but does not leave the ground. We can be lifted up, but we are not moving out of the ground. You can be lifted up in your consciousness. How many of you sometimes come to the place of absolute joy? You are just over happy. In fact, we can describe it as a state of ecstasy. That is a rapturous state. In that stage, you can use the word that you have been raptured. Into a state of joy and happiness, of gladness, that man cannot produce. It's in a rapturous atmosphere that only God can initiate by His Spirit. Praise the living God. Are you there? Yeah. In other words, when you come to that level, you see, you move beyond the pressures of life. The problems around you, the difficult times around you. You are not seeing the problem. You are just in another world. Though you are physically on the earth, but you are in another realm. Are you there with me? Very good. A high level of ecstasy as produced by the spirit. is a rapturous state. That is not to say you are lifted out of the ground. But you moved beyond. You are so connected with the spirit. That the joy of the Lord has become your strength. You are filled with joy, filled with happiness. Everything around you is not having influence anymore. You are out of the realm of sorrow. You are just floating in ecstasy. Men cannot understand why you are so happy. But you are just there in that realm. You have been raptured. Praise the living God. Amen. At that level, you are going beyond the level of satanic influences and all of those things. We can readily understand that this air we're dealing with this time around is also in the heart of men. Why? Because the Bible tells us in Luke chapter 17 verse 21, the kingdom of God is where? 
is within you. We are talking about the life of God flowing from within your innermost being, just like the control of Satan is also from where your innermost being. Are you with me? Praise the Lord. And so, when you look at Second Timothy as well, chapter four, verse twenty-two, the word said, "The Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit." When it's united with your spirit, can you get that? The Lord Jesus Christ be with thy spirit. Grace be with you. Amen. The Lord be with your spirit. You are so connected to the Lord in your spirit that you are no longer out. I mean, you are no longer in this world. It's like you are out of this world. You really don't know what is going on. But though you are living, nothing around is influencing you or affecting you. Whether I call it economic situation, whether demonic powers, you are just out of this world. Because your law, I mean your spirit, is united with the spirit of the Lord. So when we meet the Lord in the air, on the kingdom of God or heaven within us, our meeting within translates into happiness, joy, power, and eternity as we unite with him in a higher plane of happiness. Praise the living God. So you see the air is a realm of God's life wherein the sons of God live and have their existence in a spiritual state. Like you find in Acts 17 verse 28. What did the Bible tell us? For in him we live and move and have our being. As certain also of your own prophet, poets have said, For we also are his offspring. For God is what? Spirit. John 4 and verse 4, I mean 24. God is spirit. Is that okay? And so, he said, in him, in who? In God, who is spirit, we live and move and have our being. Praise the living God. Are we there? Okay. So now, uh, let me read this scripture, which is very important, I believe, for us to see. Um, typical scripture. Second Corinthians 5, let's look at verse 14. I just want you to see this as well. Now the Bible says, For the love of Christ constrains us, because without joy that if one died for all, then we all are dead. And that he died for us, and they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore henceforth know we no man after the flesh yet, though we have known Christ after the flesh yet, now henceforth know we him no more. In other words, you are out of this realm. We don't consider him from physical point of view. Praise the living God. And so Paul will say in Galatians chapter 1 verse 3 and 4 Grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ Who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world According to the will of God and our Father Deliver us We are in this world but we are not of this world Praise the Lord And so Galatians 2 verse 20 Paul will say I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Praise the Lord. So, that is a testimony of Paul. Though he's in this life, he's no longer existing. He's living a different life entirely. He's experiencing a different life entirely. Praise the living God. Now, let's try to finalize the use of the word air for tonight. Air as meaning our new beds. I've just tried to give you three dimensions or two of the application of the word air, right? Air, first of all, 
talking of the atmosphere like we find in R22, which is not what the scripture is actually dealing with in 1 Thessalonians. But rather, we say air, according to Ephesians 2, is dealing with demonic realm of operation in the heart of man. Is that okay? Right. And we have the corresponding aspect because the kingdom of God is within you. Now, this aspect I'm about to deal with, air speaks about your new bed. And then this is very important. So like I said, the Greek word actually also means pneuma, spirit. You know, the word spirit is pneuma, pneumaticals. And the Hebrew is roach, R-O-U-A-C-H. It means air emotion. Now remember, I'm going to make you see what I'm trying to say now. Jesus said, these are the born of the spirit, the spirit, right? And he talks about um, the wind blew it where no man lays it. So are they that are born of the spirit. You get that? Come on, are you with me? Now, what is wind? Wind is air in motion. So now, he used the word spirit to be air. And he talks about wind. That means spirit in motion. Are you there? Now, first of all, like I said, you must understand, Roach and Numa means air in motion. Spirit. So let's quickly look at, or wind, let's quickly look at Exodus chapter 1 verse 6. The book of Exodus chapter 1 verse 6 and the Bible says, The wind goeth towards the south and turneth about into the north. It wileth about continually and the wind returneth again according to his circuit. Goes on and on. That's the wind. Is that okay? Right. So again, like I said, these two words, Numa and Ruach means spirit. Now, the English word spirit is from the Latin word spirare. The English word spirit is from the Latin word spirare, meaning to breathe. That's from the Latin word. That is what the word spirit actually means. Remember in the, book, in the beginning, God breathed into man. Can you remember? Man became a living soul. So what did he put in man? Spirit. And what is that? Wind, air, breath. Is that okay? Very good. So, the now form of spirare is spiritus. In Latin, which means a breath, breathing. Such words as aspiration, respiration, inspiration are derivative of the same Latin word spirare. In the English. Now the Greek pneuma comes from neo, P-N-E-O, meaning to breathe or blow. And that's the exact thing I just said God did in the beginning. God bred neo, P-N-E-O, from pneuma. And that also means roach. So here I also believe to have come from the same root word, spirare. Praise the living God. Which means basically to breathe. But with ascension beyond that basic sense of just breath. They mean wind. Praise the Lord. So, the vital, it also means the vital force in living creatures. It means one spirit. It means the dominant feelings or disposition of a man. It means spirit persons. Including God and his angelic creatures. 
God's Holy Spirit. From the word pneuma. Spirit. And don't forget, that word is wind. And it's also what? Air. Praise the living God. Therefore, Jesus talking. Let's look at how Jesus uses word. He uses the same word, the wind and spirit, interchangeably in John 3 and verse number 8. Help me, Lord. Thank you. John 3, verse number 8. The wind, Numa, Ruach, bloweth, were released. And I hear the sound thereof. But cannot tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So it's everyone that is born of the wind. Oh, but you say spirit is the same thing. Am I correct? Because wind is air emotion. And air emotion equals spirit. Are you there with me? So you find that Jesus is using the same words here. He used the word wind. He used the word spirit. And the wind blows, you can't tell. In other words, how you are born again, you can't tell. It's just like saying how a child is from the mother's womb, you can't tell. Like in our local proverb, how water gets into coconut, you can't tell. Come on now, are you there with me? So how your new birth comes about, you don't know. That's what Jesus is saying. But he's saying it's done by what? The spirit, which is wind, which is what? Air. Remember, we're talking about meeting the Lord where? In the air. So what is that supposed to mean? We join with him where? In the spirit. Very simple. Praise the Lord. Are you there? So when we talk about the sound of the wind, and this is properly explained to us in Acts chapter 2. Let's look at verse 2. Hallelujah. Acts chapter 2 verse 2. Oh, you can read from verse 1 and 2. Verse 1. Acts chapter 2 verse 1. Praise the Lord. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord where? In one place. Verse 2. And suddenly, there came what? A sound from heaven as of God. A rushing mighty spirit. Am I correct? Very good. And what did he do? He filled them all, the whole house, and they were where they were what? Sitting. Praise the living God. So you see, why the 120 in the upper room were having this meeting with the Lord. This is a meeting with the Lord. Is that alright? Yes. You find that the religious people were having their ceremony down below. But these guys have reason. Good enough they were in the upper room. They met with him in the upper room. They have a union, a communion with him. They came down from the upper room. Another person was manifested. The very man that was so timid and fearful like Peter became so bold after he met with the Lord. How many of you understand what I'm talking about? Why? Because when you meet with him, just like Laban and Leah, a fifth son is born. A new Peter came out of the upper room. Can you get what I mean now? So when you meet with the Lord, a new person entirely is made manifest. Your old David dies, your old Rebecca dies, a new David is risen. Glory to God. Are you with me? Praise the living God. 
I want to read this. Let's take it from the message translation. Remember he said here, He filled them all. Let's go to the book of Ephesians. I want to read this as we close from here. Ephesians chapter 1. I'm going to close from here. Ephesians chapter 1. Let's look at verse 20. I want to read from verse 20 in the message translation. All this energy, having raised Christ from the, from the grave, issued from Christ. God raised him from the dead and set him on a throne in deep heaven. Move on, move on, move on. Verse 21. In charge of running the universe, everything from galaxies to governments, no name and no power except from his rule. And not just for the time being, but forever. Verse 22. He is in charge of it all. Has the final word on everything. At the center of all this, Christ rules the church. Verse 23. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. When you talk of something being peripheral, it means the side, the circumference. The church is not at the circumference of the world. The world is at the circumference of the church. That also means the world is not supposed to influence the church. The church is supposed to influence the world. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts. By which he fills everything with what? His presence. Praise the Lord. So wherever the church goes, Christ is going there. When we meet him, we take him along to wherever we are going to. Praise the living God. So as the church rides to meet with him in the spirit of the field of him, then the church begins to retain the richest measure of the divine presence and become a body holy field and flooded with God himself that wherever we find ourselves, Christ is supposed to be expressed and revealed. Praise the living God. So here we find that the church is becoming the true source from which all things will be filled in turn as we meet with him at this level in our spirits. Everywhere we go, we dispense Christ. Having met with him because we are already one with him. Praise the living God. And if this is the case, then the prayer of Jesus is already been answered. Let's look at the book of John chapter 17. I read 20 to 26 and then we can shut for tonight. Praise the living God. John chapter 17, 20 to 26. Let's look at it very quickly. King James. Praise the Lord. It says, Now I pray I for these alone, talking about these early disciples, but for them also we shall believe in me through your word. Through thy word, which is you and I. Is that okay? That they all may be one. As thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that they all may believe that thou hast sent me. Praise the living God. And he said, verse 22, And the glory which thou givest me, I have given them, that they may be one even as we are one. Verse 23, I in them, and thou in me, that they may be made perfect. So you understand what perfection means. Perfection speaks of you having the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Colossians 2. Can you still remember that? 
Very good. In one, and that the whole world may know that thou hast sent me, and thou hast loved them as thou hast loved me. And verse 24 says, Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am. Where is he? I am in the Father. John 14. Is that okay? That they may behold my glory. Where do we see the glory? When we are where he is. How many of you understand? For in God, Acts 17, 28, in God we live and move and have our being. He said that they may be where I am. Where is he? Philip asked him. He said, if you can believe anything, believe that I am in the Father. John 14, and the Father is in me. Now Jesus is praying that those who will all truth believe through the world may be where I am. So where are we? We are in the Father. And that is how we can behold his glory. Praise the living God. That they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me, for thou loveth me before the foundation of the world. Verse 25. O righteous Father, the world have not known thee, but I have known thee, and thou hast known that thou hast sent me. And verse 26 says, And I have declared unto them thy name, and we declare it, that thy love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them, and I in them. Praise the living God. So when Christ becomes one with us, and we are one with him, we have met with him. We've been caught up in the air to meet with him. You're not going into the empty space. You are only getting united with him where? In your spirit. And in that union, you produce that which is called the man-child. A new creature comes into place. You are not defiled any longer in your spirit. You are not controlled any longer by another power. You are not being controlled by him who is your husband. You are in obedience to your husband. Your husband so loves you. You are in complete submission to your husband who is your head. And every rule, every instruction that you take and walk with is coming from him. You are together with him. And when you move out, where Wherever you find yourself, you are expressing the authority of your husband. You are expressing the name of your husband. You are expressing the glory of your husband. Your name has changed because you are united with him who has come to marry you. My friend, you are not dying to go to heaven. You are united with Christ that will make you to become one in heaven. And that brings your name to one written in heaven. Is anybody understanding me? And because you are united with your husband and he is your authority, you can cast out death. You don't need to wait. You don't need to grab a special service. You have him because the authority of your father, of your husband in your life, that is part of the glory. Praise the living God. When Jesus manufactured or turned water to wine, he said the beginning of the miracles which are to do with his glory. He showed for his glory when he turned water to wine. When you perform miracle, it's an expression of the glory of the father that you're beholding. And that is because you are united together with him. That's because you are joined together with him. I want to speak to you tonight. You don't need to die to meet with Jesus. Don't wait for him to come take you. You only need to get united with your spirit. First Corinthians 6, 17 again. He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. There are no two spirits. It's one spirit. Spirit of the Father. Spirit of the Son. Spirit of the Holy Spirit. Somebody says Spirit of the Father. Yes! It's all one in your life when you come to express and the spirit of the father you know what you 
do? You become a creator. God creates. God gives birth. God gives resources. You move into a dimension where life begins to flow from your life. Because now you are a father. Father is a source. So when the spirit of the father begins to operate in your life, you become a source to other people. A source of life. A source of creativity. You make things happen the way they have never happened before. Praise the living God. And when you have the son, creation obeys you. He is my beloved son in whom I will praise. Through the spirit of the son, every creation needs to obey you. Demons need to obey you. Situation need to obey you. Because you speak as one given battle by one by the son. Praise the living God. You are not waiting. You got to leave it now. You got to move it now. This is your time. This is your day. You are already up with him in the air. You've met with him. Give back to your new son. I reveal the new creature. God bless